Early times in Cheerwine. You guys like that? I got the energy up. My energy just went down. <laughs> Welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone trying to keep it irritating as normal. Uh, and I think that keeps my co-host engaged. So that's Josh Newberg's voice you just heard. We got Chris Nee on the other line as well. Chris decided to on-retire for the day. We brought you back like MJ. Hey, Chris. It's not my flu game. <laughs> and I'm not wearing four or five. What are you wearing? I can't see on the Easy. other side. Come on. All right. Sorry. All right. <laughs> don't we I hope we don't. That's a mistake on the parents. Um. All right. So coaching stuff. This is a coaching centric podcast, as most have been recently. And we actually uh, we, I feel good about some of the scoop and some of the juice we're going to be giving you guys today. So it's going to be uh, some information, some analysis This is going to be fun. This is a fun podcast. We want this to be about 35, 40 minutes in and out, quick and easy, answer a few questions at the end. Here we go. Uh, right now, guys, fair to say we are emotionally moving on from Bob Stoops, correct? Uh, we cool with that? We cool with phrasing it that way? We are emotionally moving forward. Right? I think the fan base is emotionally moving past Bob Stoops right now, trying to. Try, try, trying to. Uh, so we have that more or less saying that's done. Uh I guess you never say never, but Josh, you've been saying throughout this entire time, like if Bob Stoops wanted to, wants to talk like Florida state will listen, but, and I know some people that I speak with think it's still a chance and it's still uh, a possibility. And this is all an elaborate ruse. I can't let myself get there. I don't know. Uh, that's not what we're hearing, but things have been buttoned down. So with that in mind, we're going to go to the, the plan B list, I guess. Um, I know we've previewed this a little bit before, but, uh, but let's go with some of the guys and the names that we're hearing. Uh, and if you think about it, this list of plan B's isn't really that bad. It's a, it's a nice group of guys. If you can uh, find yourself in a good position to, to attract any of them, uh, Josh, I'm going to start off with you. Let's go hot and heavy into this. Cause you got some scoop, Matt Campbell, Iowa state coach. We talked about him a lot in the last podcast. Uh, but, but go ahead. You lead the show with what you got, buddy. Yeah. Well, we continue to hear he's a name of interest for Florida state. Um, don't believe I can confirm there hasn't been an offer, so I don't want to say it. Is, is that far. He's just the name of interest. And he checks a lot of the boxes. You know, we've talked about him at length. You've even written a, a bio on him on, on some of the pros and cons. That's real interesting. So he's a, he's a name fans want to know about. And we, we've already said that he's not going to make a decision until the end of the season. So I reached out, um, got some Intel from somebody very close to Campbell's or within Campbell's inner, inner circle, Ooh, and, inner circle talk. All right. Yeah. We got some inner, Sound the alarms. We got inner this, circle talk. This is why you um, guys come on the bench for inner circle. Yeah, talk. I've learned that Campbell is intrigued by the FSU opening. The word intrigued was used three times during this short conversation. Um, there's a lot of things about Florida State that he likes. Um, the ability to win a national championship, that's proven. It's been done. It can be turned around quickly. Jimbo did it in his fourth year. Um He's also fond of these small towns coming up in Mount Union College and then on to Toledo and then on to Ames. Um, I was told about a scenario where they, you know, the USC job is also intriguing, but I was told about the USC job. You know, how long does it take for Helton to get home from work? And that's that's kind of funny because, you know, everywhere Matt Campbell's worked, it's he's driven 15, 20 minutes off campus and he gets home. Well, Helton at USC, you know, if you're the head coach at USC, you're not you don't live on campus. It probably takes you 45 minutes, maybe over an hour to get home. Um, so Campbell's personality fits with Tallahassee a little bit more, but he's going to be picky. He's going to be patient. And I was told this was important. Everything must align from the roster to the budget to the booster structure. He's going to be very detailed. If and when Florida State makes a presentation to him at the end of the season, they're going to have to be more thorough. I'm, I'm just assuming they're going to have to be more thorough than they were with Willie Taggart. It's for Matt Campbell. Remember when FSU was courting Matt Cam or uh, Willie Taggart. And one of the things that they did was have all the alumni and former players call him to say that we want, you know, Derek Brooks was on the phone and Terrell Buckley and Deion Sanders. And all these guys were reaching out to Willie Taggart to, to get him to take the job. That's not going to be a part of the Matt Campbell pitch. Um, it's much, it's not as surface. It's a lot of about what's below the surface and all of this to wrap it all up again. I don't think it's going to happen until the end of the season. Uh, one of the other reasons why is this USC job? This is going to apply to a couple coaches that we talk about. 
But the direction of the USC job directly impacts the rest of the coaching search. If they take Urban Meyer, a lot of the Florida State chips stay on the board. If they get Urban Meyer signed, sealed, and delivered right after the season, that's probably the best case scenario for Florida State. But if that job stays open, a couple guys that Florida State's interested are going to wait and see what happens with the top job in the country. You got guys like James Franklin. He's going to he's going to have an ear out to see what direction they're going. Matt Campbell's going to have an ear out to see what direction they're going. Um, you know, and 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 it's going to slow the process for Florida State. So if you're an FSU fan, I think you're rooting for USC to snatch up Irvin Meyer and not, you know, throw off the rest of the coaching carousel. You feel better well, about Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say it's worth mentioning with regards to Campbell that they play, I believe it's Kansas this weekend and at K-State to wrap up the regular season. They actually still have an outside chance at the Big 12 championship yes. game, but OU yep. and Baylor kind of in the driver's seat for that, so it's probably unlikely they play in that game, but it's not outside the realm of possibility at this time. Mm-hmm. True. Josh, you feel better about Matt Campbell today than you did when we had the we recorded the podcast Matt Campbell's possibilities with FSU being somewhat legitimate. You feel better about that now than you did. What was it? I Tuesday, feel like Monday? He's open-minded. I mean, I, you know, I've, I felt like he's open-minded. I think before, you know, there was some, some hope that maybe he would bend his, his timeline if Florida state was interested. Um, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm directly told that's not going to happen. So this is going to be a situation where, um, FSU is going to have to put the full court press on once the season ends. And I don't know if, if, if Campbell's timeline is going to match up with theirs, but it, it might. All right. So another name on the list, Brian Kelly. Uh, this was someone that that's Notre Dame coach, Brian Kelly, someone that the Nolcast talked about it in depth the other day on their podcast. It's a name that I had heard a couple times and I wasn't really confident to, to go forward with it. I know I kind of just floated his name out there on our last pod, uh, when we were talking about you know some of the dark horses, uh, what do you guys think about Brian Kelly uh, as an option for FSU? To to me, it seems weird. Like, why would you leave Notre Dame for Florida State? Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? I actually talked to a friend in the business who covers Notre Dame has for a long time, very familiar with the program. Uh, I you know I pitched the idea to him. Hey, Brian Kelly, FSU. You think any realistic possibility? He said he didn't really think so. The main things that he fell back on is that, one, he thinks Kelly's doing it, if he's doing anything involved in this, for leverage towards a minor extension and some loosening of academic requirements, maybe, or more money for assistance, something, some secondary reason. He didn't know what that specific reason would be. And then the second thing he told me is that he doesn't think Brian Kelly really wants to coach all that much longer, you know, maybe five to ten years after most uh probably a little bit towards the lower end of that spectrum towards the number five so he didn't think he'd jump into something new where there is some what a rebuild factor to it you know he's had success at notre dame there's always a little bit of things getting stale in a relationship but i don't think that relationship is at the point of like for example fsu and jimbo fisher reach where it kind of seems like a parting of the ways is very likely or likely or even what auburn kind of is approaching with Gus Malzahn of a steel relationship if he were to lose to Alabama in the Iron Bowl later this year. You know, I, I think those relationships are in far worse shape than Brian Kelly and Notre Dame currently. So he thought it was pretty far-fetched. He would be surprised by it. Um, from my end, I just view it as FSU's, FSU's trying to get somewhat of a sure thing, and Brian Kelly's one of those. And, you know, he may be attainable. He's a guy that's entertained some NFL and other options in recent years, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he would at least give you the table and let you make your pitch. Anything to add to that, Josh? Um, no, not really. I was told I was speaking to an agent. This was back uh, after I reported the stuff on Taggart after the Wake Forest game. And we were talking about like if they made a move and this person had told me, hey, you know, keep an eye on Brian Kelly. And he wasn't saying it in terms of like, I got here's the scoop. But like Chris said, uh, things have been kind of souring. And at the time of this, you know, it didn't, we weren't sure which direction Notre Dame was going to head. Now it looks like they could be a 10, you know, they're probably going to win 10 games this season. Right. So this might not be the year for Brian Kelly, but I do believe, um, he would probably, he would listen to Florida state. He would listen to Florida state. And like Chris said, the reason I was told was because, you know, kind of taking the academic handcuffs off of him a little bit, would be interesting. Um, he's always recruited Florida as well, kind of here and there. 
but to be able to just really go after the athletes that he wants within the state of Florida would be something he's interested in. So again, it's going to be something that we don't really get to until the season comes to an end. All right. And someone else who I think would be willing to, to listen or that we know, I guess at this point, we've reported it last night uh, that that is listening to Florida state, at least to some extent is James Franklin from Penn state. Uh, we were able to put that out there after chasing it for for better part part of a day that, that the two sides have at least touched base and talked. Uh, to be transparent, I don't know the exact details of conversations and and where where uh, you know Franklin's mind is. I do believe that he is a top target for Florida State. I'm not saying the top target, but I think he's high aboard their wish list. Josh, do you have anything to add on on James Franklin and, and the Penn State juice from last night? No, not much. Just I've uh, been hearing that's been sizzling for a while now so it was something that we've been trying to report for a while and felt good about last night so went with it the only thing i'll throw in is that franklin's a popular name if the usc opening happens a lot of people think that he would pursue usc yep that's the domino phone that josh was talking about earlier that is going to make this interesting and when is usc's last game josh didn't you say it was last or is it this week it's coming this up? weekend all right, so maybe dominoes start falling. We'll see. And, you know, uh, USC still has a coach that they haven't fired, but people have been talking like he's fired for the last like he, month. Like he's That's gone. That's the most disrespectful <laughs> thing I've Clay, seen this season is the way they Clay treat Helton, that. Man. Clay Helton's been fired for most of the last three seasons, I right. feel like. You know, it's just a matter of it, is it ever really going to happen. But, you know, they now actually have a real AD in the building. And, you know, people think that it's kind of time for USC to trend forward and try to return to the prominence they once had. It's not like the Pac-12 is an ultra-dominant conference. You know, at the top right now, it's Oregon and Utah, and it should be USC's conference. They should run that thing. I believe that's how they think about it, too. Yeah, and from what I've been told, James Franklin's the kind of guy, um, kind of the inverse of what I just said about Matt Campbell. If there's somebody that might be afraid or, or shy away from the Hollywood lights, it'd be Matt Campbell. But if there's somebody that would be attracted to it, Everybody I talk to believes, you know, Franklin, if offered, would be very interested in the USC job. So I'm not saying it impacts Florida State directly, but it, if it even at a minimum, it's going to impact the, the timeline because some of these coaches like a James Franklin are going to want to give USC the time to pitch them. But like we said, their season does come to an end, at least their regular season this weekend. So that might speed things up for for USC's timeline on their search. Okay, let's go through some other names real quick. Uh, I think those are the main ones we want to talk about. Uh, PJ Fleck, Minnesota. Josh, you kind of alluded. Nothing, you didn't even allude yeah, to it nothing last, new last there. Yeah. Um, that seems unlikely at this point. Yeah, it correct? seems unlikely. I'd say that right now, yes. Mark Stoops, Kentucky. I'm not confident that he's high up on the list right now. I don't even know if they've had talks or not. I, we haven't been able to confirm that. I, I don't feel great about Mark Stoops being an option right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Nolcast mentioned Jack Del Rio. Uh, I believe I that they're hearing that. Mark Stoops if they want him, if they want him, I don't know if they want him or not. I don't know if we're there yet. Like if we're going to the pecking order. Well, uh, I don't think they've really offered, you know, anyone. <laughs> I don't know if they offer so, anyone other than, other than Bob Stoops. Um, yeah, I, I think Mark would be down on the pecking order, but if it does come to him, I, I, if, you know, FSU went in that direction, I'd fully believe he would take it. Would you have? Would you rather Odell Hagens with a super staff or Mark Stoops? Why can't Mark Stoops have a stu- super staff? A super staff. A super staff. I don't know. I don't know. That's not what's being pantied about. I mean, uh, financially too, you spend a lot more on Mark Stoops than you are on Odell Hagens. Some of that money that would, you know, three or four million dollars per year would be allocated to coaching staff rather than the head coach. That's that's probably why you don't have the the super staff. You guys didn't answer my question. You're not playing the hypothetical game right now. Who would I nope. rather have? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying like, oh, if, I'm saying if we're getting down the list of guys who we believe FSU is interested in and those don't come to fruition, uh, let's say. I think James Stoops is higher on the list than Odell. Okay. In that pecking order, you know, that in, in a realistic situation. One problem with Stoops is you tried to date his sister. So I, I think that would, to some degree, be kind of a tough sell to some in the fan base. It's a weird uh, analogy because we it's his we, brother. 
Right, but he, he tried to hire his brother, and then, oh, no, he settled for the other Stoops. You know, it's yeah. kind of that. It's a, yeah. it's a weird look. And it's like it's going to be a weird press you, conference when the first reporter calls him to, Yeah. Yeah, if you think back to the first pod, I think we did after Willie's dismissal, I was asked about Mark, and I I kind of endorsed him. I know that a lot of people aren't a big fan of him and think that FSU can do better, but I certainly think they could do far worse than a Mark Stoops, personally. All right, mentioned Jack Del Rio. I don't know. I know I know the Nolcast put it out there. I'm sure that's legitimate. They're hearing it from legitimate people, but I can't wrap my head around that one. Like that doesn't make any sense for Florida State, I, right? I didn't listen to Bud and Ingram. Um, I don't even listen to our own pod, so that's no slight. Uh, but uh, I guess they referenced Destin, and people were trying to draw the connection of why Destin. I'm pretty sure Jack Del Rio calls Destin home these days. Like that's technically what he refers to as home. Interesting. Yeah. That, that, that would be a, as a, as a Jags fan, I, uh, I can't endorse a Jack Del Rio led football program. Maybe I'm wrong. That just doesn't seem to make sense, but Hey, the Herm Edwards deal worked out well. You know, I, I don't know. I think outside the box. Uh, Josh, you mentioned on the last podcast, like we were talking about dark horse candidates. I yeah. think you mentioned Fickle and Gus Malzahn. Malzahn, we've talked about a little bit. I think bit. I mentioned I, Brian Kelly in one of these dark horse scenarios. I, I mentioned Brian Kelly. Okay, yeah. These pods all run together at this they point. They do. Yeah, who, who knows? You've been on so many podcasts. You probably <laughs> mentioned like 500 names, and then you're going to be able to go back to one of them and be like, oh, I told you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you, Newberg. I'm on to you. Uh, Norvell, I don't know. I know he's a name that was put out a lot early on. I haven't heard much with him at all. Neither uh, have I. I think he's a guy that FSU's vetting and – maybe reached out to some representatives, but in terms of traction within this coaching surge, I have not heard his name since the early month, early days. I almost said early months. It feels like it feels like this months. thing's been in, in months, but yeah, the early days. And then Gus Melzot too is obviously still employed, but Chris mentioned some of the baggage is going on with that. Both of those guys, Norvell and Malzahn, uh, seem more like better fits for Arkansas in that vacancy uh, just with where their roots are, which is Arkansas, uh, than, than Florida State right now. So, Yeah, to me, Arkansas is the, you know, the landing spot if Malzahn and Auburn do decide to part ways. It just makes too much sense. Arkansas is going to overpay for him, give him plenty of years, probably far more than a five-year contract. You know, I think that he's kind of the guy that if you're trying to get a collective of the room there at Arkansas, I think Gus is a guy that they very much would want. There would have to be a mutual parting of ways first between Gus and Auburn, Gus and Auburn. But uh, we'll see after after the Iron Bowl. Maybe that's something that happens. That's not inside knowledge. That's just is connecting dots. So the, the one the one thing to remember with Gus and many coaches that get in that scenario of thinking a school might push him out the door is it would cost Auburn a hell of a lot to push him out the door unless he negotiated it down. And mm-hmm. we all know coaches don't like to give up money. It's actually cheaper for a lot of schools to go purchase and pull a guy away. So that's a possibility that Arkansas does that. But you can also get in the game of chicken of, you know, who wants to keep them versus who wants them more, you know, that type of thing. So that's another scenario when you're dealing with coaching and contract figures. Wouldn't it be nice if they're just all adults and be like, hey, this isn't working out? This is amicably. I know. That's idealistic thinking. So, all right. I got something uh, Something that I don't even know where the conversation is going to go. It may just fall flat on its face, which, you know, part of the course for me. Last night, Josh texted. We were texting a lot of things last night. But one of the things he'd asked was, uh, who, who are some of Jimmy Sexton's clients in all of this? And so I started going on the Google machine and and looking to see, okay, what, what guys that we believe are, are strong candidates or we know have talked to Florida State or the names that just keep popping up uh, are associated uh, with Jimmy Sexton. And, and uh, the reason why I mention this is because, well, Jimmy Sexton and, and Jimbo Fisher, Jimmy Sexton and Willie Taggart, uh, those two dynamics have not worked very well for Florida State. Uh, we know the way that Jimmy Sexton worked with Florida State when Jimbo, Fesh, when Jimbo Fisher left was not very healthy. Uh, Florida State was not happy. I believe specifically the athletic director at the time, Stan Wilcox, had a difficult time even negotiating for Willie Taggart because of his frustration with Jimmy Sexton. So there's some baggage there, which I don't think is uncommon. Uh, I think that that kind of stuff happens in, in all the time in, in college football hirings and firings and whatnot. But I think it's worth acknowledging, guys, here 
if we look at some of the uh, the agents associated with FSU targets, all right, Jimmy Sexton uh, has Mike Norvell, I believe. After that, it gets interesting. So James Franklin's agent, I believe, is Trace Armstrong. Uh, Brian Kelly's agent, I believe, is Trace Armstrong. Uh, Trace Armstrong's a former uh, former player in the NFL. He lives in Gainesville. I'm pretty sure that his son was a walk-on quarterback at Florida State for a little bit, and and around the same time Jameis was here. Uh, I don't know if he made it through a full season, but he was at Florida State. Uh, so there's some interesting connections there. Matt Campbell does not have an agent. Uh, he's his own agent. PJ Flex agent is Brian Harlan. Uh, so I don't know. What do you guys make of that? That all just coincidental? Uh, to me, I think, I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's um well when the job first opened in in the first couple of hours I reached out to a close contact that helped me a lot with the Taggart hire and I I said what direction do you think this thing's going and he said the hell away from Jimmy Sexton just anybody but Jimmy you know and and that was half jokingly and and half not and I think they would stay away from Sexton if they could but also the usual suspects mentioned just don't just they just also don't have Jimmy Sexton as an agent. It's mainly SEC coaches, coaches in the South. And we're talking about some up and comers that have maybe done it their own way, like a Matt Campbell. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting, though. It's worth noting. That's what I do. I note things. Note things. All right. I have a topic. And I think this actually will lead to somewhere. This kind of that one fell flat on its face, like I thought it would. It's cool. not surprising. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for contributing, Chris. You're laughing, son of. Well, I mean, it, it's agents, man. Everybody likes to turn Jimmy Sexton into the villain. He's not the villain. He's just a guy who's the best at doing what agents are supposed to do. Agents aren't your friends. They're supposed to come in and steal your money. That's sort of why they exist. And college football coaches get insane contracts with stupid terms because colleges get bent over by them by agent is this florida state job guys is it as attractive as we thought it was when it first opened up did we miscalculate what it was that's a yes and a no well, i was gonna say the same a, thing oh you guys job uh, i think kendall Bryles comment when he was asked about wanting to be head coach this week kind of summed it up perfectly it is a potential top 10 job it's a place where you can win. It's a place where there's a ton of great recruits to be, you know, knocking at the door in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, and then into the Carolinas that you can recruit. There's a ton of reasons why FSU can be successful. Recent history where they've had great success with three national championships in the last 26 years. Uh, the fact that they dominated this conference largely for the last three decades outside of the last five, six years. You know, there's all these reasons we can point to. But on the flip side of that, there's reasons why if you're a coach who's considering being hired by FSU at this very moment, you may have some hesitation. I think personally that starts with an outgoing AD and an outgoing president and an AD who I personally like, but he is not a guy who came up as an AD. He is learning on the job in that position. He's a politician. He's been a chief of staff type who's now acting as an AD. That's a very different scenario than being hired by a guy who has a six year contract, who's been a lifelong AD who has a lot of success you can point to and a lot of history as an AD that you can fall back on. So you're getting hired by guys who likely won't be here very much within the term of your contract of your time, whatever is you. The other thing is facilities they are good. They're not great. They're not so great that they blow away many other places that you may already be working for, or that may pursue you. FSU is not winning that race. I wouldn't say they're losing that race. They're just in the race. Financially, FSU's you know a school that I wouldn't call cash rich. I wouldn't call cash poor by any stretch, but you know Jimbo did a number on them with financials with some of the comments he made, and those are things you have to overcome. There's some, you know, combating the truth versus the lies versus what is really the truth with that. Um, and you know they just fired a coach in year two, and I have no issue with the fact they fired Willie Taggart because they eventually were going to have to fire Willie Taggart at some point anyways because it wasn't going to work. So they just went ahead and did it. But there's something to firing a guy 21 games in that, yet again, is another narrative you have to have to combat, have to overcome, have to come back to. So I, I think the answer to that question is simply a yes and a no. It is an attractive job for what it is capable of being, what it has been in recent history and where it is. And, you know, the fact that the fan base, when they are successful, is one of the best fan bases in America. 
But on the flip side of that, there's a lot of things in their recent history and their current structure that may cause hesitation. And the fact that the stadium was more empty this year than it has been in 32 years didn't exactly help in any way either. There, I contributed, Sinone. You happy? Kind of. Josh? Um, I'll just, you know, kind of say what Chris said, but a lot shorter. There's some current concerns <laughs> about the, the administration, the incoming AD, the exiting president. You know, these are all unknowns. It's a very weird situation to be hiring a coach under these terms. Um, the APR issues, the budget, the facilities, um, are minor concerns, but again, the, the major concern is the structure of the administration. A lot of a lot of head scratching going on on how this is going to go down, and they're going to bring a new AD in right after the hire's made. But you know, Sorry, Chris, mute your whatever you're doing. Mute your microphone. He's pouring a drink. He's yeah, peeing. He Sounds water. like he's peeing. No, I'm not. I'm getting some water. Once Jesus you poop God. that one time, makes me think. Ah, Come on, Sinone. You got to have a little scotch with your Sinone. <laughs> Um, but, I don't even know what that means, but I like it. But no, I think there's a little bit of there's concerns there. But you only got to sell one guy, right? This is like you only got to convince one guy to take the job. You don't have to convince the whole entire country, just the one target that you want. You got to convince them that this is all going to be OK. And I think that's what um, Coburn and, and the, the crew are trying to do. I, I only had to convince one beautiful woman to get with me and she ended up marrying See? me. Silly, silly. It her. takes one. The rest of the world said no, but you found that one. That's probably very true. Okay, timeline. Timeline is something that's asked about a lot on the message board. I think we kind of get ourselves into a battle of semantics because uh, anyone other than Bob Stoops was not going to happen before this basically time frame that we're coming up against. By the end of the month is what David Coburn had said. We're still within that time period. Uh, I think, guys, it could probably leak until the first week of December, would that freak you out at all if it goes to like December second or fourth? Nope. No, I, I think we're looking at December first to eighth being the window because of the fact that the season ends for most teams on November thirtieth, which is the last day of the month of November. So, I don't envision FSU announcing a hire immediately after the Florida game, which now kicks at seven thirty p.m. You know, I think that's something that you see going to hopefully Sunday, Monday by Tuesday. You got the ball rolling and. By the middle of the week, you got an announcement so you can get on the road and recruit and have kids in the 6th and 13th before the early signing period rolls around. But that's the window we're looking at. The reason he said the end of the month is because their number one target out of the gate was Bob Stoops, and it was capable for them to make that hire before the end of the month. But in most cases, that's not the situation they're dealing with. What point would you guys be concerned, like if they didn't have a guy? Would it be after the 8th, Chris, for you, like if, the, if they left that time period without me, an announcement? For me, it's December 5th or 6th. It would be pretty concerning because you need to get kids in that weekend where you're going to have a really insane one-week period before you basically roll into the early signing period. Yeah, and that It's week better to period, be able to spread it over, too. In that week period, I mean, say a coach is hired on the 7th, right? He's still got to assemble an assistant coaching staff to get out on the road recruit with him. So if you hire a coach on the 7th, he's going to be probably recruiting with one of those half-and-half half crews where it's half of – to get 10 assistant coaches hired in a day the one thing i that's true we saw that with willie taggart this past this past uh well year and a half ago yeah it kind of all blurs together one thing josh I, i think is worth putting out there is we are the belief that florida state once they zero in on someone if they feel really good about it they're in position to move quickly right like so so that is something like november 30th could come and go we hope i mean that's what we've been told this is all about like all this grunt work being done now all the vetting all the all the talks behind the scenes and everything sets up for when they do make their pitch they're ready to roll we'll see if that if the plan gets executed in that fashion though yeah, for the record, that that time period is where the fan base, if they want to freak out and say that this thing's been mishandled, that's the time period where it will be determined whether or not it's been mishandled. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Chris. That I want to touch. I was going to touch on that. Is is there's a lot of anxiety with the fan base that this thing is getting butchered, uh, and I think a lot of that stems from the way the Bob Stoops narrative kind of floated out there that crazy Monday. Uh, we won't know if this was butchered or not until 
the higher, right? Like this is this is something like that we've never seen how this group with with David Coburn in charge has operated before. Uh, we know with the search firm they have that there are a lot of misleads, a lot of smoke they like to put out there. That's kind of the reputation that the search firm has. So so it's really tough to get a read on this until we actually see when the dust settles what it looks like. So I know for me personally, I'm not ready to say that this is a, a you-know-what show. Uh, I could just say it shit show. But I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what how this all like leads to. It, it could be they're playing chess right now and we're all just playing checkers. Like That's a very real possibility. Right. Right. Good. Yeah, we've said this. I, I don't know how you could judge a decision that hasn't been made yet, especially with the timeline. And we we all know what our ideal timeline would be, which is from you know the moment the UF game ends would be the 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 optimal hire for recruiting purposes. But um, it doesn't necessarily match up with everybody's timeline. So. I think there's going to be a window, and um, there, we'll call it the panic zone. How about that? <laughs> All right. I like it. So wait, what's the official panic zone? Because I want to call it that. I want to start what off with podcast. What did Chris say? The seventh or the, 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 the fifth? The, the, fifth the, the fifth or sixth is a the, panic zone? Yeah, the sixth is the Friday of that visit weekend. So I would say the fifth would be the official fifth. panic zone if we want to. we can officially enter the panic zone. All right, December fifth so, is national FSC panic because we don't have a coach today. <laughs> All right. If we wake up that morning. It's December 5th, and there's not a hire yet. We'll do a podcast with just all three of us screaming no. five minutes. No, on December on December 5th, we will start a Facebook Live, and I will not get off of Facebook Live until a coach is hired. <laughs> it's it's like when the uh, mascot locks himself on the roof of the stadium. I'm going to be on day season. five of the Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of promises that Josh makes on Facebook Live and then goes back on, you cut your hair – you cut your hair a little bit without signing a quarterback. And I want to talk about quarterback here. To. My <laughs> hair would be down at my wrists. Cat <laughs> Stevens over here. Uh, offered to <laughs> Florida State offered Cade Redfro, Old Town Redfro, uh, the other day. People were started freaking out because, oh, what does it mean? Does it mean that, that we're off of Jeff Sims? Does it mean that Kendall Bryles is staying here forever because that's a Kendall Bryles guy? So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on, on Old Town Redfro uh, coming coming uh, up with the FSU offer? Well, I've you know been beating the drum since February that Florida State needed two quarterbacks in this class, and um, the Florida State staff didn't necessarily agree with that. They really didn't recruit anybody but Renfro in the spring outside of Jeff Sims. Renfro was the only quarterback that camped at FSU over the summer. They elected not to uh, even get other guys on to throw. And throughout the season, the only other quarterback they flirted with was Malik Hornsby, who by the beginning of October had already eliminated Florida State from his top three. So Cade Renfro moving forward is really the only quarterback that has been in touch, has camped at FSU, and has legitimate interest right now, Um, really just due to lack of searching for other options. So I still think Florida State needs two quarterbacks in this class. Um, I don't take it to mean much more than that. Chris, do you agree, disagree? Do you think that this means Bryles is staying? Real quick, no, real quick before Chris jumps in, the mishandling of quarterback recruiting, I know we've talked about it before. We could do an entire hour-long podcast we on it in the, su- in the summer. I got a lot in, the, to say. in the summertime, we'll do it. We'll all pour ourselves some drinks and and commiserate. Well, Josh, you don't drink anymore. You could, I don't drink anymore. You could smoke something. All right, sorry, Chris. Go, okay. go for it. Josh will get a haircut during it. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty plain and simple. It's a guy that Kendall Bras wanted, and the guy he worked for previously wasn't willing to green light, and that guy doesn't work there anymore, so he was able to green light it. I think it's simply Kendall Bras doing his job till he doesn't have the job. I don't think it means anything greater than that. Kendall's coaching and acting as though he's a guy who may be retained, whether it's you know an in-house hire like Odell Higgins or a potential outside hire of someone he has a relationship with. There are guys that they are vetting and they're looking at who Kendall Browse has a familiarity with as far as coaches. So I think it's simply that. I don't think he's doing it for any grandiose reason. Cade Renfro doesn't sign until, you know, late December. So hopefully the coaching situation is figured out. So it's not like that kid's being put in a predicament. A couple of things to add on Cade. He expects to take an official to FSU on the weekend of December 6th. 
right after National FSU Fans Panic Day. And he is also uh, going to see Kendall Browse at his game this evening. He told me that last evening. So I put that to the message board last night, just mentioning that here. But it's just a matter. FSU needs to improve. FSU should be making a healthy push for a lot of additional players that they haven't recruited because they need to add offensive talent. They need to get better at certain positions on the O-line and the D-line. And I think it's also a matter of a staff trying to recruit to the end because some of those guys, those guys who have been here for two years, understand how screwed they were when they walked in the door and the previous staff had stopped recruiting. Jeff Sims? Uh, I, you know, myself, Zach, you, I believe Josh as well, we've all tried to get Jeff on the horn in recent weeks. He's kept pretty quiet with all that. You know, it makes you wonder. We've heard some rumblings behind the scenes that other schools are trying to get involved. I spoke to somebody very close to Jeff this morning. This person's not directly involved in his recruiting, but he sees him on a daily basis, tied to him heavily for football reasons. He did tell me that other schools are trying to get involved. I asked if Jeff was entertaining that, and he said that he leaves it to Jeff and the family with regards to that, so he didn't know one way or the other. So that's where we're at. We're going to continue to try to get Jeff. We're also trying to work that a little bit backwards with a couple of schools we think might be kicking the tires on him. It would be a bad, bad look for FSU to lose Jeff Sims. He's a kid that, you know, he was very committed to the staff, but he was also very committed to the school. He's been a very good recruiter for FSU. That's one of those, you know, transition recruiting potential stumbling blocks that's kind of tough to weather compared to some others. It, he went from being an ambassador for this class and for the program to being silent. Uh, and I'm not saying that, like, I understand why you got to be yeah. quiet. And kind of, I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but I am saying that's telling, right? To be the guy who was the vocal face of the class to now the class is, you know, falling apart to some extent and and you're not saying anything. I, yeah. And he may he may be talking behind the scenes with other recruits, for sure. you know, one way or another, for sure with that, but he's gotten very quiet in a public persona. It's just but, different. Know, it's t- it's, it's the biggest decision for those kids, those youngsters of their life to this <laughs> point in time. So, like, I get it. I'm not I'm not criticizing Jeff Sims, Josh Griffiths, anybody else that may look around or is looking around or who has decommitted like Jalen Knight. And it, it is what it is. You, you know, you don't go somewhere that seems unstable and you're not sure what the future holds for them. And you don't know if you can believe in the people that are going to be brought in because you don't know who those people are and if you have a relationship with them. That is just part of the process. Like, no, it's not no, fun, and I hate when fans go in on those guys because I think yeah. it's unfair. No one should be criticizing them, and and I feel like the fact that we even have to say that is is silly. If you're criticizing an 18 year old for trying to make the best decision for himself and his family, uh, look in the mirror. This is low hanging fruit. Like it's just, it's just, come on, don't be better if you're if you are. And I know some people have uh, gotten in those kids' mentions and stuff. Don't do it. Come on. All right. But but Sims is I'm just saying for just move on. That is a difference in his persona from being very out there. And again, I understand it, but it is a noteworthy difference in where he was uh, in the summertime. So let's take a quick break. Uh, We're going to come back. We're going to answer a few questions. I've tried to narrow it down to five because the last podcast, Josh and I spent almost an hour answering. I don't know how many questions and we still had a bunch more to go. So we'll answer a few. Stick with us and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, guys, we're back. The final stretch here, and we'll let you uh, let you run, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. I know you're busy. Did you, uh, if you had to redo it, would you, you have decided to make a big life decision like this during uh, 
during a coaching search, you had no idea those timelines were matching up, right? He's moving for those that don't yes. know what the decision is. I, yeah, didn't I, want clo- to- I closed on a house today and I'm moving this weekend. Um, <laughs> during, the co- <laughs> during the coaching search. <laughs> it's still uh, bye week. It's good. Perfectly honest about the kind of person I am here. I would never make this decision. Therefore, my wife had to force me into this decision. But <laughs> it's one that we wanted to make. She's looking at me from down the hallway. That's a really great answer. But but it's true. I just wouldn't do this. I'm not the guy who'd be like, you know, I should go buy a house right now. Like, I wouldn't do it in February, for the love of God. (laughs) We may have a guest star on the podcast here pretty soon. My wife's giving me a look like she's going to kick my ass. Chris might be ended early. We're good. I'm I'm just throwing up that uh, the last month has been uh, an interesting one as far as like, oh, good. Today's a really stressful day. Let me get all these papers together to make sure we can buy a new house. Chris does it while sitting on the bench at the airport. (laughs) I've he I I mean, I've seen him try to, like, work on documents and stuff like that in in person because I know how hard he's working to do. I've moved before during a football season. That's just when I was renting. So it's a pain in the ass, but it's like a week and it's done. Uh, the house process is you know, obviously a month and a half at, at, at least. So good on you, Nee. Uh, if your wife does murder you, make sure you keep recording the podcast because I want to be the first one ever to have a, uh, a, a yeah, I, I want I want that for the ratings, okay? The, the women will eat up that podcast because we all know women love podcasts about murder. <laughs> and, yeah, and our demographic is really, really skewed to a lot of women listen to this podcast too, I'm sure. So questions. Noel1CB asks, with uh, Big Game Bob likely out and somehow a new or in some new coaching. God, I hate so bad at reading uh, and some new coaching developments with Franklin. And Co- <laughs> so the way it, this works is that my computer's not directly in front of me. So I'm reading like sideways, kind of like cockeyed. So it doesn't help. Anyways, with with Big Game Bob likely out and some new coaching developments with Franklin and Kelly in the mix, who is your current top choice for the job? So this is a hypothetical we're going to play. Like, who would you have? Like, if, if you want someone at Florida State, you get your choice of realistic candidates, guys that we have a good idea that Florida State is is talking to right now. Uh, who would be the guy that you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I feel good about this one. This guy's going to get Florida State back to the promised land. Uh, Chris? Uh- I'm a fan of Matt Campbell. I think he's got coaching chops. I think he's been successful everywhere he's been. I think he's kind of a cool, calming influence that doesn't seem to be a whole lot of fluff. So I like him. I think that it would be a good hire. That's my opinion. I can't switch up now. I mean, I started the Matt Campbell to FSU train a while ago, so choo-choo. It'd, it'd kind of be wrong for me to pick somebody else at this point. All right. Uh, I think Matt Campbell's the most likely uh, if I had, if I was a betting man, that's what I would put my money on right now would be Matt Campbell. Uh, but if you can get, if you can get James Franklin, like I think that basically assures you of getting back to 10 win season territory uh, pretty quickly. I'm not sure if he gets you to national championship territory, but he's been a guy who's won at two power yeah, five programs. I now. can't argue with that. So that would be if I could pick and be like, yeah, someone realistic, that's who I would go with. All right. Jay Turner. Oh, one asks, I'm curious. Oh God, this is a long question. With the way this search is being handled, are you hesitant to put out information that you find? Uh, I mean, could it impact the availability of information in the future? If, for instance, the school does not want something to get out there and you find uh, other not. Basically, are we holding back? No, look, the Tallahassee Democrat is working directly with the school. We are not working with the school on anything. So um, I'm not in fear of putting anything out that the school is going to react to. I'm in fear of putting out, you know, I always want to deliver the correct message. And yeah, of course there's things that we hear that we don't put out until we feel comfortable putting it out. So last night was a great example of the James Franklin stuff. We've been hearing that for a couple of days, but for us to make a story and put it out there, it, it reverberates, you know, like, so we have to be, we have to feel very comfortable that if we put something out, we're okay with it. And even like the um, a good example of that, Josh, and I do want to, yeah, I like the idea of kind of explain our process to our listeners. Uh, the the Brian Kelly thing, you know, we're doing the running coaching search update. Where we're just kind of keeping a timeline. It's something our national desk want us to do. I think it's a good idea to kind of keep track of everything that's going on. We put up Brian Kelly in the morning after the Nolcast talked about him the night before because uh, I trust Bud as someone who's reputable. And if he's saying there's conversations, like I, I trust him and Ingram because uh, of their track record. Uh, 
But that started off a conversation for social media throughout the entire day. It was Brian Kelly. And I think it started right. obviously with the Nolcast, but you know, our national desk, go ahead and tweeting that out. So when we put something out there, we do have an understanding of, of what that carries. It's not just sticking to the message board. It doesn't just stay in our echo chamber. It, it reverberates everywhere else. So uh, we do want to be careful with what we put out there. I want to make sure we're confirming stuff and having it well-sourced or putting so out. We're hold, we're, there's always things that we're holding back because we're, you know, working on it but it's we're not holding it back because the administration's asking us to hold anything back yeah i mean none of this is us getting forced to not say something it's us trying to be hesitant and careful with what we do say because it's tough to confirm things in real time you know agents kind of have their own prerogative uh coaches aren't really going to say much unless they're giving a denial of some sort or a soft denial most times and then the university itself has been pretty clammed up. There's been directives both from the AD and the president to those involved in this to not say much and to keep their mouths shut. And for the most part, FSU's done a good job of kind of keeping it buttoned up, which I think we've been very upfront about that fact, especially over the last week. Um, I mean, for example, me and Sinone went and sat on an airport a week ago <laughs> expecting a flight, and that flight never happened. So we didn't bring it to the message board of, hey, we're sitting at an airport waiting for a flight. We did talk about it on a following podcast, but we kind of explained that, you know, it wasn't fruitful in any which way. And for the love of God, I've looked at FlightAware so much in the last week for flights that never happened and never existed. And a tail number that was N6969BS, <laughs> which might be one of the greatest creative tail numbers ever in the history <laughs> nice. of false flags. So, you know... No, that, that's how it operates. We're we're not we're not puppets for anyone. We we are completely comfortable in our skin that if something we do pisses off FSU and they want to take it up with us, we'll have that conversation because we've done that this year. <clears throat> Play calling Kendall Browse, Willie Taggart, and we stood up to him and just said, you know, we feel good about our reporting because that's how we report. All right, so that's that's a little bit of a, a glimpse behind the curtain there of of how we do things at Knowles twenty four seven. Googleplex asks the Odell with elite coordinator option intrigues me. Would Odell actually be able to get such elite coordinators to coach under him? And do you think there's actually a trade off such that a Franklin or Kelly comes with less heralded coordinators? So this is kind of like what we were talking about earlier with with Mark Stoops, right? Well, yeah. With, why does this ha- why why is this example always like? Odell with elite coordinators versus another coach with an average staff. Like why, why does it have to be that way? Well, for the Odell part, it's happening because in people's minds, when they're trying to think of how Odell would be successful, and who they're are thinking these elite of, coordinators that we they're thinking of, Ed, they're thinking of Ed Orgeron. They're thinking of Dabo Sweeney. So that's what they're thinking of, man. That's why that conversation happens. And that's how it's been packaged and, and pitched to some extent, an elite coordinator. I mean, Kendall Bryles would be an elite offensive coordinator or pretty darn close to it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What's the my, question my, again? <laughs> no, I'm serious. What's the, right. the oh, Hang on, sorry, I'm getting a call. Um, would Odell actually be able to get such elite coordinators to coach under him? That's one. And do you think there's an actual trade-off such that a Franklin or Kelly, James Franklin or Brian Kelly, comes with a less heralded uh, coordinator? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any reason to believe if James Franklin's taken a job at Florida State. I mean, he's going to want to set himself up for success, and he's going to have demands that Florida State has the funds to hire the guys that he wants. I mean, no, no boss is going to come in and take a job. You know, he's having success at Penn State. Why would you leave Penn State? You know, so I don't. I just don't see that scenario happening. And then, as far as Odell with the elite coordinators, I mean, I've thrown out the idea. I'm not saying this. I have any inside scoop on this, but it's not out of the realm of possibility to think if Odell got the job, he could maybe have a staff uh, coordinators that consisted of Kendall Bryles and maybe a Kevin Steele if that Auburn thing goes sideways. But I don't know. But I, I, I think I think it's to me all, that would be an elite group of coordinators: Bryles yeah, and Steele. Yeah. Yes, it would. Yeah, I think it's all weird narrative born out of recent bad hires at coordinator positions for FSU. FSU didn't make bad hires because they were making them cheap or anything of that sort. They made bad hires because they tried to make better hires and they failed to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, it's a weird deal that people are stuck on that. I think that FSU is invested in this hire, understanding how important it is on so many levels that 
that hires at coordinators will be the ones that that coach wants. And that, you know, I would presume most co- coaches want to hire good people around them to be successful. I mean, when Willie Taggart got here, he didn't want to hire Walt Bell and Harlan Burnett. <laughs> nope. I mean, for the love of God, like, are we going to believe that? No, they, that's not who he wanted. The guys he wanted, he was unable to get. A guy like Mike Loxley on offense or Jim Levitt on defense. And yes, Levitt was because of a bidding war. But Phil Knight has a crap load of money. Most people don't have, don't have that kind of money to throw around. And so Phil Knight like was that. pissed off, too. Jimbo kept Charles Kelly because Jimbo liked Charles Kelly, not because of some financial issue. There were finances there. If they needed to move on from Kelly and hire a different coordinator, it could have been it could have been done. Like I, I don't I don't get that whole narrative. I think it's one that's been way overplayed. I think FSU's issue with coordinator hires has been that they've failed to do them effectively. And when you have a head coach who doesn't really know the DC he's hiring because he's down his list of DCs he's pursuing. That's on the head coach, and that's on the university for allowing that to occur with the head coach. That's not a matter of FSU not trying to make a good hire. It's, it's they put themselves in this own predicament. And when the head coach has a certain scheme in mind that he wants to run and hires a coordinator who's never run said scheme, probably also not 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 great. Yeah. All right, last question. It's a two-part question. Uh, SWL Seminole asks, would it be possible to take a new pro- profile picture of me with binoculars at the airport? <laughs> and, and the follow-up to that was from Noel Fan, uh, one, two, one, oh. uh So if Josh's profile pic is with a crystal ball and he is on the bench or, or maybe with a, uh, a binoculars at the airport, uh, what would what would be Sun's pick be? What would my feel, profile pick be? I feel like yours should be like you in a sweater holding a cat. I was thinking more like with an empty liquor bottle asleep <laughs> under a car in the parking lot by the bench. By the bench. All right. With the Nolts 24-7s on the bench podcast, this is Brendan Sedone. Thanks to Josh and Chris for joining me today. Thanks for the questions. Uh, we'll be back probably early next week. All right. Thanks for joining, everyone.